Hey, welcome into a special edition of Locked on Astros, a crossover with MLB prospects Lindsey Crosby. Lindsey and myself dive into Drew Gilbert. What is his future? Will he be up this year or next? Who are the other outfielders that you should be looking for in the Astros farm system? Stay tuned for an exciting episode. Alvarez, it's a high drive center field. Veer leans back. This game is turned upside down. There's the runner. Fly ball down the right field line. Tucker comes on. Kyle Tucker. This time they finish the job. Locked on Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. Welcome into a Locked on Crossover edition. Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked on MLB Prospects. Brett Chauncey, one of the hosts of uh, Locked on Astros. And we're here to talk about specifically some of the outfielders. Because, uh, Brett, a lot of fans are clamoring for some Drew Gilbert right now. Uh, 2022 first rounder last year out of Tennessee. And from what you were telling me before we started recording, there are some fans that want him to be called up right now, aren't they? Or this year. Oh, yeah. You know, especially with kind of, I guess, the inconsistent nature of the offense where they'll produce four or five runs and then they won't produce a few. You know, they see Drew Gilbert, the bat flips, the face paint, the volunteer, the whole you know, the Drew Gilbert we know that we drafted. And they're like, why can't we just yeah. bring him up now? The kid's got moxie. So, yeah, they're they're definitely clamoring for him already. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting scenario. Don't want to throw cold water on some of the fans, but it, it is a little bit early to do that. Uh, he started off this year. Uh, they, they put him straight in high A to start the year. And so 21 games, he spent just over three weeks uh, in high A Asheville. Played really well, 360, 421, 686 slash line. We always talk about that 300, 400, 500 makes you a dude. He got a 680 in there, six home runs, 15 extra base hits, uh, six walks, 21 strikeouts, four for four on stolen bases. And so I think we could both agree he needed to get moved to Corpus Christi. Uh, it was just like yeah. it was, he was not challenged at all in Asheville. Yeah, it, you know, exactly. And there are a lot of different elements about um, Corpus Christi that I love. You know, number one, um, Joe Thon got promoted as the manager this year. Mm-hmm. Um, son of former Astros uh, superstar infielder Dickie Thon. Um, and actually had him on the show uh, beginning of last season. Um, couldn't I don't think there's a better guy in our system to put at that level. And to send Drew Gilbert there because, you know, Corpus is one of those places where it'll really challenge a hitter, you know, you with right. the with the wind and with the um, playing environment, um, you can't exactly pull stuff. Uh, you've got to go with where the wind's blowing and it's a it's a different atmosphere, but the pitching seems to always be really solid at the double A level because those are guys that are really trying to get tuned up. So you're right. Gilbert did need a challenge. And that's what you want. You want your top guy, you want your most sought-after guy to be challenged because if he's not, you don't want him getting stale. You don't want him maybe developing some bad habits, and I think Corpus was the perfect place for him to end up, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in AAA at some point this year as well. Yeah, I mean, being a little bit of a – of a, I mean, he's, he's 22 right now, and, and so far, small sample size, mind you, in Corpus Christi. It's been uh, 14 games, but – 340, 456, 468. One home run, uh, four extra base hits, nine walks to 10 strikeouts, two for four on stolen bases. He's seen the ball really well. You know, 
Uh, and and when I watched Drew Gilbert and when I've kind of looked at what he could do, the consensus is that he's an above average hitter, right? He's really good at managing the strike zone. And then for being a lefty, he can really, he does a good job at turning on a pitch on the inner half. Um, despite only being, you know, 5'9", so shorter arms and everything, he has good good coverage of the entire plate. And he doesn't chase a ton. He does hit too many ground balls at times, which is something a lot of guys are prone to do, even at the major league level. But the real question that I have, and I think what's going to ultimately decide the offensive ceiling for Drew Gilbert, is the power. Uh, you know, from what I've seen, he, he, he looks like he's pretty maxed out as far as physical development. And it feels like a lot of his power comes from either a fastball that's up in the zone or something in on the hands that he can pull the other direction. Um, I kind of see him as a 15 to maybe 20 home run guy in the bigs max, but I don't know if that's kind of the consensus around Astros fans and and folks within the, the organization. Well, you know, I think people automatically go to someone like Altuve, um, you know, mm-hmm. and Altuve is a special player in that a player of that size can hit 30 plus home runs at the major league level. That That's not yeah. every guy that's five, eight and a half or five, six, or, you know, that's Altuve size. I think if Gilbert, I think as, as he develops and matures, you could get him to a 15 to 20 home run type production, mm-hmm. but it's going to take time. It's going to yeah. take work. I mean, if if you see the offseason regiment that Altuve has gone through since he's been drafted and, and just just the tireless effort he puts on his midsection, on his abs, um, on his hand-eye coordination, that's really um, helped catapult him. You know, and, and, and even as an older player, Altuve realized, you know what, I want to hit home runs, but I would rather hit for a higher OPS because that's got more value. And so Gilbert – when I spoke to him at spring training, I said, Hey Gilbert, um, I said, Hey Drew, I can't wait until we see the bat flips. And his response automatically was, I've got to hit him first. So this kid clearly mentally is dialed in the right way. And, and because you could be this this hot draft pick, this kid that's supposed to, you know, crush the world and be cocky and arrogant and think that you're just going to rule everything. Or you can be like Drew Gilbert and say, you know what? I've got to go to the lab. I've got to put in the work. And I just love the mentality that this kid has. He's a workhorse. I think 15 is a good number, but I don't think you can count him out as a 20 home run guy because he seems like he'll put the work in. But I don't want to put too much on him early right? because these guys who have a high ceiling, you and I have talked, the ceiling I think is possibly 20, but I think if you get 15 out of this guy and he's a solid center fielder, I think that's more than enough. And that's a great way to kind of transition into the defensive conversation. I do think from watching him, he's got really good reads and routes and reactions in center. And you can tell it's something at Tennessee. He obviously played center field. I believe just about every single game, except for maybe a handful. And so He's, he's experienced there. The speed is above average. He doesn't steal a ton of bags. I mean, he has he has six of eight on the year, but you can see the speed on defense as far as, as uh, being able to cover ground. When he gets a good jump, he can get to a ball in the gap that looked like it was going to be down, things like that. I think he'll stick in center. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a plus defender or just – one of the better above average defenders, but he'll probably be in the conversation as far as, you know, top 
five defensive center fielders, you know, top five, top 10. I just don't necessarily know if he's going to be number one. Now, granted, I might be selling him short and he might, once he gets a little bit more hard work in, he may prove me wrong. But I do think the arm is helpful. A lot of those smaller guys, you don't always see them have a plus arm. He's got a plus arm. And so if he does end up having to move to a corner because there's a better defender behind him, I think he'd fit well in right field as well. See, here's the thing with Gilbert. You know, if you kind of – and I don't want to get into other outfielders, but just to, just to use kind of a comp, someone like a Pedro Leone, right, mm-hmm. who, who has the missing bat, where Gilbert has the bat. If you give Gilbert Pedro Leone's arm, then it's a lock, I think. It's a, it's a okay, this kid can do it. But one of the things that I observed um, going to the Space Cowboys game um, this Friday – uh, just watching Mickey Story, the manager of the Space Cowboys, hitting pop flies to the outfield. How we forget sometimes that these that these players and these coaches go through fundamentals just like we take 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old developing baseball players. Mm-hmm. And I think with the coaching staff, with the people they have in place, they can get Gilbert to a place to where he can set up under the ball well, catch the ball, throw it in put guys out from the outfield and maybe he can develop that strength over time Um, where to me, a glove and an arm positioning outfield is something more that could be taught than, Mm -hmm. than a bat skill. I think bat to ball skill. He's a natural hitter is definitely a plus. And so anything you get, like you mentioned with the glove, I think is an added bonus. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be more than good enough. And so I think that's kind of like the ultimate question is, is he going to be, uh, a detriment or, or a positive in center. He's definitely going to be a positive in center. And like you said earlier, the the uh, the intangibles, the work ethic, all of that's there to get better. So I feel good about him getting there. And in just a minute, I want to talk about some of the other outfielders in the system because when I look from the outside, there's a lot of guys and I don't necessarily know how they're going to fit into the roster at the major league level. So hopefully I can get some insight uh, from you on that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, they wanted us to talk about NBA. It's the playoffs right now. I don't think either you or I necessarily want to talk too much about the NBA. But instead, I want to look at FanDuel's odds for uh, for some of the Astros guys. American League MVP, Jordan Alvarez, is tied for third place in the odds for, uh, for MVP. It's Shohei at minus 125, Aaron Judge at plus 800, and then Jordan and Mike Trout at plus 2,000. Uh, is that a good place to put him at is that third? I'm comparing his career numbers, his first five years in the majors to I'm looking at Judge. I'm looking at Trout. I'm looking at Barry Bonds. I'm looking at Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. And he he outscores all of them. There's a couple other uh, prominent Astros in this list. Uh, Framber Valdez plus 1600 for, uh, for Cy Young tied for sixth. And then what my what all, all of my folks care about my everyday is Hunter Brown is second. For American League Rookie of the Year at plus 600, right behind Matsutaka Yoshida, who we kind of wrote off early in the year. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. It's more. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the LockedOn Podcast Network. Okay, so when you're looking at the outfielders in this system, I kind of like I'm, I'm going through the list and obviously we talked about Drew Gilbert. He can play all three positions. He's going to be your center fielder barring some sort of, of catastrophic issue because he's got the offense. He's got the defense. He's got everything else. The guy that I like the most after him 
and it's still early, but it's Jacob Melton. Uh, he's he's only got 30 or so games in high A right now, and he's batting you know 235, 371, 452. So not like anything amazing, but to me, it, the power is at least above average. He can play all three as well from a speed perspective, from an arm perspective, but uh, probably going to move to right field with with Drew Gilbert. And then we've both talked in the past before about liking what Justin Durden can do as far as who he is as an athlete, who he is as far as making quality contact, some of the stuff that he does. Uh, how, how, how would you configure the outfield if you have, say, uh, Gilbert and Melton and you're trying to add them to the to the major league roster that you have, say, next season? Well, I just think Melton is is just a little bit further behind because he is, you know, he is newer, he's younger. I think he's got guys out in front of him. I think Drew Gilbert is the guy that springboards himself and maybe leapfrogs actual players and prospects like Leon, like Bearden, if that were to happen. He just seems to be the more realistic option there. But, you know, Dearden came in and had an amazing spring training. Um, he took full advantage of the stars being gone at the World Baseball Classic and just hit the cover off the ball. You know, Corey Jolk surprised everybody and is on the 26-man roster and has played several games this year and just, you know, contributed recently against the A's in their first game with them in Oakland. And so, you know, where we thought Dearden was going to make a jump to the major leagues, Corey Jolk's made a jump. And so the reason why I say that is because, you know, Melton may be a guy that people don't expect because everybody keeps going, what is going on with Pedro Leon? Because Pedro Leon, if he could get the bat and the ball to match, if he could barrel up baseballs on a consistent basis, I think he would be in the major leagues right now. You know, you clearly have a log jam at the top with Myers mm-hmm. and McCormick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have your utility guys and stuff like that with uh, Jolks. I just think Melton is probably going to have to do something extra special, maybe like what Gilbert's doing to make that jump. I don't think you have to rush him because what you have now, my question is, does this, is this become dependent on what they do with Tucker or what they decide with Tucker long-term? And does that reshuffle the deck and change things for Melton coming up to right field? Because if Tucker ends up leaving or not resigning, then you open up that spot as well Um, because you could still have Tucker in right field. Does he take the left field spot? Brantley gone. Where are they going to put Jordan? So there's so many moving parts right now in the Astros organization. Melton could make that jump, but I more see that with Gilbert. Um, Dearden, let's, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. I don't know. He's not having a super great start to the season, but he has a potential there. I mean, he's got a great glove. He's got a great arm. Yeah, he's got, uh, I think, 38 games right now in, in AAA. It's like 253, 321, 460. 15 walks to 52 strikeouts in 38 games. So not necessarily the strikeouts are too high. He's not walking as much as you expected him to. And the power production, I mean, 16 extra base hits, and three of those are triples, but only six home runs. You thought you'd see a little bit more out of Durden. It feels like uh, you have guys that you probably would rather have over him as far as you obviously Gilbert and Melton when I look down a little bit farther in the system as well and look at some of the depth Ryan Clifford we actually talked about him on Monday's mailbag he he feels to me obviously it's early for him he feels to me like he's destined to be a guy like a first baseman I mean I think it below average speed arm is average to below average and so it's if he can bring the hit tool up to the power to the level of the 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 power tool you're looking at a first baseman simply because he doesn't cover a lot of ground. His arm's not that great. 
And then Joey Loperfito could be a kind of a super utility guy. Could play all three outfield positions, could play first and second, kind of like how Pedro Leon can play all the different positions, specialize on defense, things like that. There's a lot of a lot of options here. And for folks who aren't necessarily, I guess, Astros fans who don't listen to my show every day, we always talk about prospects from the perspective of they're going to make the bigs. Because obviously the most likely outcome for any of these guys is that they don't make it, right? It's it's that, you know, they they never figure out how to hit the elevated fastball or they can never lay off sliders down in the way. And so we're just, we're operating off of this as, as if they're all going to make it. Uh, somebody to watch for, he's, he's, he's younger, but somebody to watch for, I think, because he is the best defensive outfitter. I think he's actually better than Gilbert. It's Kennedy Corona, right-handed mm. hitter. He's in double A right now. He's got like 32 or so games and he's having some of the same bat issues that Pedro Leone has as far as 228, 273, 390 is a slash line. Four home runs and 11 extra base hits. So not great production offensively. Oh, yeah. Seven walks to 37 strikeouts. So he's also striking out more than once a game. Um, 11 to 12 on stolen bases. So he's pretty fast. And, and he, has, he has a really good combination of power and speed. It's just your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. I do think he has a high floor because he has the plus speed. He can cover so much ground but really kind of struggling to, to, to put it all together at the plate. So I think you've got a lot of options, but Gilbert, Melton, Durden kind of feel like your three best options. If you had to make a whole new outfield, those three guys feel like your best options to do center, right, and left, respectively. Is there anybody else in the system that you like or that you want or that you've kind of thought that, hey, maybe this guy can do more? I just, you know... You mentioned Loperfito being a super utility guy. I remember um, when he got his first spring training call up and he, you know, Dusty Baker asked him, where do you want to play? And he said, center field. He goes, go to right field. And then he makes a diving catch and he comes back in. He goes, golly, son, I guess you're a center fielder. And so <laughs> Loperfito, you know, I mean, that kid, I've been super impressed. Um, mm-hmm. I fully anticipate him to be up in AAA because he's the only guy that has the seven home runs out of the three players we mentioned that is that is hitting over 300 right now. Um, and so, you know, he's got the OPS of almost 1,968. You know, out, outside of those guys that, that you mentioned, um, there are just – there are so many different names to go through. I, I just – I don't yeah. know who to really pinpoint as the future outfield. I know a lot yeah. of people want to see – Gilbert, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people want to see Dearden, but you know Melton is, I think, one of those guys that's probably not on everybody's list, but is probably going to be up here in the bigs. Probably should be. And on that note, on Loperfito, so like right now in Corpus Christi, he's got thirty games: three fourteen, four thirty eight, five seventy one, six home runs, fifteen extra base hits, uh, twenty three walks to twenty nine strikeouts, and nine to ten on stolen bases. Like he's. He's in the middle of a breakout right now. And we're not talking about a lefty who, you know, uh, strikes out less than once a game and walks almost as much as he strikes out and is hitting for power in Corpus Christi. So that's a name to remember for Astros fans going forward is Joey Loperfito, um, I, I think could be one of those super utility guys that plays five days a week at five different positions. Like he's that talented. He can play first, he can play second, he can play third, he can probably play some first. And then he can play all the outfield spots. So keep keep a guy like that in mind. Uh, in just a second, I do have a list. I kind of want to go through some of the prospects that are that are uh, up and doing well right now, and some of the prospects that are kind of down and struggling a little bit. 
And we'll get to that next on this special Locked On crossover between Locked On Astros and Locked On MLB Prospects. Welcome back to our special crossover, Locked On Prospects, Locked On Astros. And I want to remind you, the Houston Astros play the Minnesota Twins tonight at 710 Central. You can catch every pitch of the broadcast with Sparky and Ford uh, on SiriusXM, on the SiriusXM app. Search Houston Astros. You can also find both of our shows. Search Locked On Astros. Search Locked On MLB Prospects on the SiriusXM app to listen to those uh, there if you're there now. And in the meantime, thank you for being here. We appreciate you making us the first your first listen every day. You're our everydayers who are here every single day. Uh, we are very happy that you are here. I'm very excited. Uh, Brett, last time, that, or one time that we talked, we broke down some of the catchers in this system. We were talking about what do we do to replace Martin Maldonado when his career is over. And we had gotten it down to Corey Lee was the better defensive catcher and his offense struggled a little bit. Well, I've got news on his defense. Uh, 40 games this year in AAA, and he's doing much better. So the slash line right now, 311, 354, 449. Three home runs, 16 extra base hits. Nine walks to 43 strikeouts, seven of 11 on stolen bases. I know he's not necessarily hitting for a ton of home runs, only the three in the 40 games, uh, and he's still striking out a lot, but he's making good quality contact, and I think part of it is he's not trying to sell out for power. He understands, hey, when I sell out for power, my stats look awful. Let me just focus on making quality contact, putting the ball in play, and then running as much as I can before, uh, you know, before they try to throw me out. So very impressed with that. And if he can keep that up, he's got a massive arm and is a better, and like is the better defensive catcher between him, and, um, between him and Yanni Diaz. And so I think if this is true, if this is real, this, this offensive breakout is real, he may be your catcher of the future. You know, he could be, which is interesting because they have Dana Brown has said that Yana Diaz is our catcher of the future. <laughs> and they said at the same breath, we 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 need Corey Lee getting reps every day into triple A because he's the catcher of the future. <laughs> so I don't know if they forget the statements they make, but it all seems a little contrite and and combobulated at this point. Because let me tell you. Yiner Diaz has the second fastest pop time in Major League Baseball this year. Ooh. He has a phenomenal, phenomenal ratio of throwing out runners mm-hmm. um, from behind the plate. The dude can throw. He, I mean, he can he can back pick guys off first. Um, he okay. hasn't been given the opportunity. So, I mean, they continue to start Martin Maldonado, and you know this this Astros catcher talk of the future is a little confusing from the Astros fan base because. We don't know which way is up and which way is down. I think there are a lot of people pulling for Corey Lee, pulling yeah. for Corey Lee and have been. But Diaz comes up and they're like, hey, this wait, we thought this kid's defense wasn't great. And it's actually turned out to be quite well. Maybe there's some value to Martin Maldonado still starting, kind of being the tutor, the 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 Jedi master and the Padawan learner of Diaz and Lee. But it would be great to go into spring training next season and have Lee and Diaz squaring off for the starting position, one being the backup, one being the starter, and maybe Martin rolling into a coaching-type role in the team. Yeah, and and 
part of me is hoping that with Diaz being up and and getting occasional starts behind Maldonado, that there he that Maldonado is really working on some of those intangibles. Because the, the 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 issues I've always had with Diaz when I watch him catch is a little bit of issues with with uh, blocking, and that's that's just a technique thing. But it really felt like the game calling was where he didn't always. Uh, exactly jive and so I think being up with Maldonado not necessarily playing every day but being around him being in the meetings every day and understanding this is why or this is how I want to attack this batter this is why I made this pitch call in this count I think that's a great help for Diaz and going forward like in the future when Maldonado is no longer playing if that's next year or whatever it may be I really think the best way to do it is Diaz is is athletic enough and his bat's good enough where you could play him occasionally at first or at DH. Yeah. And so I could see scenarios where Lee and Diaz split time behind the plate. And when, you know, because Diaz is not going to hurt you defensively, Lee may be better, but Diaz isn't going to hurt you. His defense has gotten better. He's not going to hurt you defensively. You can get uh, him some play time at first. You can get some play time at DH if you have Jordan in the field for some reason. And then, and then they can split time behind the plate. Another guy that I that I wanted to make to put on everybody's radar. I don't know how how much Astros fans are talking about him, but I've been very impressed with right hand pitcher Nolan DeVos, 2022 fifth rounder out of Davidson. So he's pitching down an A ball, and part of this is his level of competition. He's a college guy in A ball, but uh, eight games this year, two and one with a 270 ERA in 33 and a third innings. He has 49 strikeouts, so 13.2 per nine to 19 walks 5.1 a little bit high obviously he's given up one home run and I think what uh what the Astros need to work on with Nolan is he's real he's a fastball slider guy okay the fastball velocity isn't as great as I'd love it to be it sits around 90 miles an hour it's very good up in the zone he gets like 20 inches of induced vertical break and then has a a, a sweepy slider sits in the mid 80s Strikes out like 40% of batters he faces. He's just mowing dudes down. And strikeout mm. rates, one of the more uh, one of the more predictive indicators of future success in the low minors. That's kind of why I bring it up. It reminds me of Luis Garcia in 2019, where he was striking out 36% of batters in low A. So I think if you can get DeVos to work on the secondaries, the curveball and the change, you can get a little bit of, uh, of more velo out of him. Because again, 90-91 is not going to cut it at the major league level. I think that he could be a, a key piece down the road and somebody who should probably get into top 30 lists when everybody does their re-rates of things a little bit later in the uh a little bit later in the season. Yeah, exactly. No, he has he has been turning heads. Um, and you've gotta love his first name, Nolan. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want another Nolan making waves in the Astros organization? Exactly. Um, yeah, he has been and and he has been doing phenomenal like you said even though it is a you know it is a I guess quote-unquote lesser you know deep talent pool it's still professional baseball and Mm -hmm. like the um I met the Salt Lake City Bees uh announcer it's like he's been doing this 29 years and he says just make sure you never call minor leaguers minor leaguers call them professional baseball players because they're all playing pro ball it's just at different levels and there are different stages of their career um, one guy I'll, I'll throw out here, Zach Desenzo is a guy that is making moves and just got promoted to double a corpus. Um, and the, in the outfield crop, I think that kid is also someone that I, I was going to mention him earlier. Um, 
and I couldn't put the face with the name, but 403 in 2023 with a 1,088 OPS and four home runs. This kid's made a move successfully to Corpus. So Nolan DeVos, maybe he gets up to Asheville. Um, you know, I don't know that he makes the jump to Corpus, but these pitchers, we need to work these pitchers and do things with them that help their development along the way. Um, we've seen high draft picks that aren't doing so well in the Astros organization, continue to have bumps in the road. But Nolan DeVos, as long as he stays healthy, works on those things, I think he could be um, a quality major leaguer at some point. Absolutely. And, um, you know, mentioned high draft picks that aren't necessarily working out. Forrest Whitley, hope you get better soon. I know that you have a little bit of injury issues. That's the, that's a bummer. I thought both him and Jaden Murray, this was going to be the year that they were going to kind of get it done, and it hasn't necessarily happened. Uh, Brett, where can my listeners go to find more of you, what you're doing in your show? Yeah, good to um, go to our YouTube channel, Locked on Astros. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, pretty much any social media platform. Check us out. Subscribe to us. Interact with us. We have polls. We do giveaways. And if you see it at Astros games in Houston, come say hi to us. And for Astros fans, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, prospects at gmail.com. Big thing that you need to know about is we have a Monday mailbag episode. We do... Uh, we take all listener questions every single Monday. If there's an Astros prospect you want to hear about or a non-Astros prospect you want to hear about, draft question, whatever it may be, send those in to us. Uh, for Brett, I'm Lindsey Crosby. It's been, a, it's been another great crossover edition from the Lockdown Podcast Network.